Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello, everybody. It's um, It just feels like it's it's been forever since we've had a basketball game to talk about. I think every Big 12 team has played since Tech has played. Uh, we're kind of jonesing, man. Are you jonesing? Yeah, I, I guess because we, we played last Tuesday. Yes. And the week before that, we played on Monday. And this week, we're not playing until Wednesday. So we'll have a game tomorrow. I mean, I know but, we had one Saturday, but it was yes, a big, just, it was a big game, Michael. Like that win in Morgantown, second time you've ever done that, ever. It's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. So, yeah, we'll we'll have a game tomorrow. Okay, it's, that's it's gonna good. be okay. It's gonna be okay. Okay, which we'll talk about going to up going up to Oklahoma, Norman, take on the Sooners. First time we'll see them this this year. Um, doing some some research, getting ready for the podcast, Michael realized just um as good as as they looked november and december kind of fallen off a little bit they are 13 and 10 3 and 7 in the big 12 now i'm sure if you were talking about oklahoma or iowa state oh ouch sorry cyclones so the the more they fall the worse i mean absolutely worse i feel about losing that game in in Ames. Now, granted, we had seven players, right? Yeah. Um, but like that one's going to hurt. And then again, you, you, you can write it off 18 different ways, but losing that game in Manhattan to Kansas State also is going to haunt us. Yeah, and that was I, just I'm an ugly way it. to lose and, and a horrible way to squander just a heroic performance by Bryson Williams. You've got three conference losses. The third is that double overtime loss in Lawrence. That one a-okay. Yep. I'm okay with that one. It happens. Yeah. You're on the road in Lawrence and you took them to two overtimes. Now, granted, you had chances to beat them in regulation and the first overtime, and I would have obviously loved for that to happen. Um, but anyways, so Oklahoma, before we get like too deep in it, just as much as we talked about previous episodes, while they are eighth in the Big 12 at three and seven, they are still a top 50 team. <laughs> 48th in Ken Palm, which I trust. And Ken Palm, I trust. So, yeah. Eighth Not in the Big 12. No, 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 no. Uh, I think Oklahoma State's like 46. Uh, Kansas State, it's like in the, or at least they, I, I remember when around the time we played them, they were low 60s. Uh, I believe they've moved up since then. Anyways, before we do all that, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can at 23 personnel. I actually got a lot of new followers. Awesome that you guys have jumped on there. Hopefully they're also listening at 23 personnel. 
can follow me, Spencer, at Punts Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And if you didn't know, 23 Personnel Podcast is a proud member of the Sports Drink Network. Today's episode of 23 Personnel Podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats. Go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. Spelled like sports drink without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let the funk out. Speaking of funk, Michael, we have a, uh, a new sponsor coming on board with sports drink. Oh, and a new audio streaming platform that we're going to help test out and build called Colorcast. So, guys over on uh, on iOS devices, download the Colorcast app. It has a speaker with several colored sounds coming out of it, and the O of Colorcast. Colored uh, sounds. I think that's something Bill Walton has talked about. Yeah. And then you can follow us at the show at 23 personnel. We are setting up our show schedule. I think what we're going to do for most of our shows uh, throughout the spring is we're going to do a, basically a simulcast. We'll do a live broadcast of our weekly podcasts so you can catch the show live. You can interact with us there um, before the recording hits the pod catchers will also be doing some of our instant reactions over on Colorcast. You can also, once we get going, see what some of our hot takes are. I think that's a, that's a, a great new piece of this platform is we can share our opinions on, on certain hot takes, certain questions like who's the, the greatest NFL quarterback. Yeah. And, and then we just, why is Bucky's the worst? Describe Joe Burrow in five words. Oh, um, stink, stank, stunk. Ouch. In the most, and no, in the most <laughs> loving sense. I'm really rooting for, it, we may have to talk a little Super Bowl today. Best franchise in NFL history. Tom Brady is the top of that list. Not even teams, Tom Brady. <laughs> the Tom Brady franchise, yeah. Worst? I don't know if there's, how many, how many other teams have been to as many Super Bowls as Tom Brady? Don't know. Don't know either. The roast of Aaron Rodgers. Anyways, great things that you can catch up on. Hear some of your greatest, your most, sorry. You can hear your favorite color cast personalities, excuse me, give you their hot takes on some of these types of questions. We will get involved in that uh, a little more as we go along, but be sure to follow us at 23 personnel and then um, at least tune in Tuesday nights. Unless there's a basketball game ongoing at nine o'clock, we will be recording and going live Tuesdays at nine. So speaking of basketball, Michael, let's talk some basketball. Let's hoop it up. Let's talk some hoops. Nope. That's football. Here comes Stevenson. Spins.
spins, fires. Oh, he got it to go. Edwards with a three. Good. What a shot, Kyler Edwards. Ready, double into three. Goins who puts it down. Ready. Odiasi throws it in. Got caught down to five. Got the screen. Here's a three. Good. Colbert got the separation. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Big shot. Step it up big time. Dagger. Over with the dish. Odiasse. And one. He can tie it at the line. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club. And they hail from Lubbock, Texas. So I've got these buttons color-coded on this board, Michael. <laughs> Yes. Basketball's orange. Football is brown. Well, there isn't the brown light. I didn't think so. It's That'd yellow. Interesting. It's yellow. Yellow football. I, it doesn't make any sense. But it was like I knew I wanted basketball to be orange. I was like I can, I can deal yeah. with just a random color for football. Baseball is next and it's blue, like a light blue, close to white cuz we're going for the ball, right? Going with the colors of the balls to color code the I still hit the wrong one. The color of that beautiful sky over that cornfield up in Iowa. Yeah. That's the blue you were going for. I mean, it's it's a light blue, but like I said, it's the closest one to white because the baseball is white. Anyways, basketball. Michael, 18-5, and 7-3 in conference play. Number nine in the AP poll. Yeah, a little climbing up this week. Uh, as you were playing this intro, I was notified by the athletic app that uh, they have that bubble watch post that they do every week. And, um, you know, they decide which teams are locks and which teams are on the bubble or which teams should be in whatever. And if Texas tech is a lock. And so they talked about them this week and just kind of wanted to read a little bit of it. Um, We've cataloged in almost tedious detail the many reasons why we like this Texas Tech team so much, particularly after the double overtime performance in Allen Fieldhouse or last week's hate-fueled fiesta against Texas. Um, The Red Raiders' defense is so good and so repeatable. It is often executed by five players standing between 6'5 and 6'8, which would be a horrible matchup, even if they weren't running Mark Adams' well-drilled stuff. But... They have four of 21 from three type offensive nights like they did in Morgantown against a starving team in desperate need of a win and not really be troubled en route to a true road win. They take teams' souls 
on that side of the ball. It's incredible to watch, and it's made Texas Tech a lock. So the defense lives here, people. It does. We know this. We know this. A lot of people know this, too. A lot of people, not just Texas Tech fans, know this. This was something that was started with when Chris Beard was here. And I'm sure Mark Adams had a heck of a lot to do with it. But what the defensive coordinator had a lot to do with the defense, you know, you know, I mean, <laughs> I just don't, I, I'm just kind of hesitant to be that guy. That's, um, because there, there's the guy that's, well, Adams was clearly the entire brains behind the operation. I'm like, well, okay. He created an awesome foundation was a big part of it, but just well, because you, we don't like beard doesn't mean we can't credit him with some, some success. <laughs> if you listen to that, that interview that gambling gauchos did with Norrence Odiase, Adams was the one yeah. that, that essentially called timeouts and, and did the lineups and did the, the in-game adjustments. The only thing that, that was great. I just saw you go over your shoulder. It looked like you were going to throw something away in your tractor. Michael's got a, a uh, nice replaced background in his video call here. Um, but he was basically saying like, yes, Beard was the front man, but uh, Adams was the guy behind the curtain pulling the strings. Yeah. I mean, and, and the robot, is, so. I do think there's a lot to that. And, you know, Adams had a lot of things that he wanted to do offensively. He wanted to be what Odiase said too, which I thought was really interesting is that Adams wanted to be just he wanted his hands in every single part of it. He wanted to be involved in all of it. And Which I is think what Adams, a head coach does. Exactly. And I think <laughs> Adams even said that himself once he got the job that he was just, he just was glad to have more responsibility. And he said, it's going to be kind of hard for him to delegate and kind of chop it down a little bit. Um, this was, I think when he was first interviewed a few times and I'm sure he's probably managing that better than he was at first, but um, yeah, at, at, at first he was just like, give it all to me. I want all of it. Um, and I, I don't even know where I was going with that, but I was just wanting to, <laughs> to say that, uh, you know, our red Raiders are number nine in the country, which doesn't happen very often. I like to, to um, dismiss polls as often as I can, but just like anyone else, when the poll is, something you want to see and something you're proud to see, then yeah, I'm going to flaunt that a little bit. So congrats to the number nine red Raiders. Yeah. And, and there were certain times and I'm still, I'm sure you can still find some spots where you can be unhappy with why or where they're ranked and when, um, but top 10 team, it's not a bad place to be. Uh, as we get a little bit further into the month, uh, as we get closer to tournament time at selection Sunday, We'll be watching more about where Texas Tech is projected as a, in terms of seeds. Um, I think your your ceiling, but your absolute pie in the sky dream here is to climb up to a two seed. Because if you do that, Michael, you are you're playing home games to the final. Yeah, four. basically, yeah, or basically all the way through. Because if you're in the two seed, you'll you'll get preferential treatment on on location more so than if you're a four. Um, so you'd be playing in Fort Worth uh, through to the Sweet 16. I think from there you go to is it San Antonio or is it uh Pretty sure it's San Antonio. Well, hang on. San Antonio might be Final Four. Or is it uh, Baton Rouge? Or I can't somewhere remember close. where San Antonio is. Yeah. It, 
Either way, um, if you get up to a two seed, man, you're going to have a lot of Red Raiders in all, all these, these tournament games, which go a long way. Um, right now, I think you're in that either you're your high four seed, so you're, you're, you're close to being a three seed, or you're, you're a three seed uh, on a lot of these projections. Plenty of time to move up. You've played essentially or just over half of your conference games. Um, the toughest part, I would say, of your conference schedule is behind you. Um, of the eight games remaining, you've got four more on the road. It's four and four at this point. Uh, road games at Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State, at Texas, at TCU. Obviously, the one at Texas you're, you're, it's going to be your, your toughest one left. Uh, they, Longhorns, took down Kansas this week, Monday night. Uh, thought Kansas had a great shot there at the end to win it. Did not have confidence uh, from my experience watching Chris Beard teams that Chris Beard would have something drawn up in those final seconds of timeouts. Looks like he may have learned something. Up three, they fouled like Holy crap, dude, where was that <laughs> three years ago? So just letting it play out the last 90 seconds, basically. Which is what he did a lot for Texas Tech, but also, let's not forget, in the national title game, up three, you foul. But no, 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 he didn't do that. He let Virginia come back and hit a three, and yeah. So, so for, was, for all I those was thankful, but I, I was not rooting for him. Speaking of thankful, yeah, for, for all those Longhorn fans that, that told us that we should have been thankful and welcoming Beard back with open arms on February 1st. Uh, first off, screw you guys. Second <laughs> off, I'm thankful that you got us within a game of first place in the Big 12 by beating yeah. Kansas. So Super helpful. Appreciate that. Also helps. When you go on the road and beat a West Virginia team by seven, 60 to 53, we mentioned that a little earlier, second all-time win in Morgantown for the program's history. Um, just really, I would look at, one, all those injuries and like Terrence Shannon being able to come back. Adonis Arms looks like he will be able to come back maybe with some reduced minutes, but no serious injury from his fall. Uh, still super impressed with the way that Bacho came in, played meaningful minutes, and really filled up his stat sheet there at the the end of the game when it really mattered with all those points, those free throws he was hitting, that massive dunk he had. Um, just good stuff there. We mentioned Texas beating Kansas on Monday. Um, also, another troll opportunity just presented itself because of all the Texas fans that were Saying, "Oh, Texas Tech's going to rush the court. This is their their this is their national title game." And guess what? Longhorn fans rush the court when they beat number eight Kansas. Yeah, and I guess you know me. I really am just kind of like, if the kids rush the court, the kids rush the court. Fine. No, for sure. And it it is not like it wasn't a big time win for them in their program, and it would be sure. the same for Texas Tech. But again, a week after you tried to. To troll to Texas Tech fans when they beat you, they're like, oh, they're going to rush the court one because you are trying to take pride in the fans' actions of the team that beats you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm. 
it's like saying, yeah, the logic doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They're, they're trying to say, well, we're so good. They got excited about uh, beating us and they rushed the court. Nah, no, it wasn't that dude. And no, also just took care of business, man. We didn't, we didn't rush the court either. Now the students came onto the court to sing the Matador song like they do after every game. Yeah. But well, I, I thought after it was the other team is left and all that, and not like in this big rush, just a just a slow trickle down there and sing the Matador song. So yeah, not a court rush, just a, a tradition. Just but Longhorn fans. Any other. Yeah, Longhorn fans definitely rush the court. Um, also noticed, and it, this may be something that they, they do a lot of, and I just never, I just don't ever pay attention because I don't watch any of their home games except for when Tech plays them. Um, and I'm blank on the name, but it's a all-male student group wearing black shirts that said something and cowboy hats. Cool. Like, are you trying to be saddle tramps or start your own version of Raider riot? Like what is going on? I would, ass- I, I don't know anything about this. I would assume they're, you would think they've been around a while. Texas has been around a while. I'm sure they've got some spirit team. That's were they call it the horn wranglers or something. Oh my gosh. That was almost exactly what I was going to guess. The, yeah, that sounds know. as good as anything. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't earth shattering and they were, they look stupid. And <laughs> anyways, so that you was just, Monday night's you just game. Brought him up to, to, to take a dump on it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, well, and then so speaking of t- taking a dump on things, um, <laughs> when, when Texas tech played Texas and it had the blackouts, man, that was like, why don't saddle tramps have black? They were li- literally outside of, out of the, the Texas players who they were right behind only people in the arena, not wearing black. Like, could, could you not like adjust your uniform for a blackout? Have like a, a black polo instead of a red polo. Well, I am very get, curious about that now. Let's get two different shirts guys. Um, other big 12 games this week, Iowa state at West Virginia, West Virginia bounced back 79, 63 to win tonight. They've broken their seven-game loss streak. Iowa State continues to tumble and be the poser that we all thought they may have been, but we're certainly surprised at how well they were doing at the beginning of the season. Um, Each game they lose and move further down the standings, the more it hurts Texas Tech as they lost in Ames. Again, you, you you can justify all that away and say Texas Tech had seven players, but... Uh, and Iowa State was riding the the wave of momentum going into that game, uh, as they were tenth or eleventh in the country at that point. They were I think highly they were ranked. Ninth. Yeah, they were ninth. And it, it, you know, you talk about games you kind of wish you had back. I wonder how much Arkansas wishes they had that Iowa State loss back after just toppling mm-hmm. number one Auburn tonight. Uh, I don't. It's even more baffling. I mean, I think Memphis the Memphis win for Iowa state really catapulted them further than it should have. Uh, I think Memphis was see what are I don't even know what they are right now, but they're 12 and eight. So I'm I'm not sure what their ranking is. Um, I think they were obviously a little bit inflated at the time. So Iowa state beat a number nine Memphis team and beat Creighton beat Iowa I I don't know. I mean, it was after they beat Iowa at home, they beat Jackson State at home, then they beat S- Southeastern Louisiana at home, which was a, apparently what toppled them up through to the top 10, to number nine. Yeah, who knows? 
That southeastern Louisiana team is no joke. You know, so tough out. The next game I want to talk about, I I have, I I still have no grasp on who this team is. Oklahoma State at TCU. Who is TCU? Who are they? They're, they're, they're what, five and four in conference play now? Um, I didn't, yeah, they're 16 and five, five and four in the conference. Um, they took down Oklahoma State at home tonight, 77 73. They are, they are the Redditors opponent on Saturday. We've got Oklahoma on Wednesday, then at TCU, at TCU. Sorry, trying to enunciate there. I just, I still don't know who they are. It's, it's a strange bunch. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about TCU when we get to that, that part of the preview. But um, before that, let's, let's kind of set the stage for, for where you're at now Uh and then what, what you've got ahead. Ken Palm, you've jumped up to 10th. You're previously 14th, or at least the last time that, that we talked to you. Um, 14th. Now you're up to 10th. Uh, adjusted offense is now 51st. It was 56th. Your uh, opponent's D has jumped all the way up to 36th. Just a few weeks ago, that number was in the 300s. Yes. Uh, it was a big jump from... Last time we updated you at 62nd. So it's gone from 62nd to 36th in terms of your opponent's defense. Obviously helps out. That number has been helped out by playing Texas. Uh, and just really really the, the rest of the Big 12. Um, the Big 12 is a defensive basketball conference. 100%. It's, it's outstanding. Um. Adjusted defense for Texas Tech is now up to second. Previously, it was fourth. So, as much as the Longhorns wanted to hang their hats, and I, I, I'm sorry that like I'm the guy that keeps bringing it back because I just want to take every shot at them I can. They <laughs> they want to talk about how great their scoring defense was. It was first in the country before playing Texas Tech. Tell me, Longhorn fans, where is it now after you gave up almost 80 points to Texas Tech and 80 points to Kansas? I'm sure it's not first anymore, but the meaningful thing, adjusted defense, not just points because you play the slowest, absolute slowest pace in all of basketball. So of course the points per game is going to be down. Adjusted defense is second up from fourth opponents, offense up to 50th, which means we have the second best defense playing against the 50th best offenses. That offense is opponents. Offense has jumped up from 89th. So we're playing better offenses. Shocker getting even yeah. better on defense. Well, and what did you say? Oklahoma is 48th. They're 48th in Ken Palm. They're 70. Yeah. 73rd in adjusted offense, 34th in defense. Okay. So even that number, like defensively, it will go up in, in terms of your opponent's defense. Um, the opponent's offense will drop just a little bit, but still you get a road game in the big 12, you take care of business. I mean, that's, that's going to only help out. Um, and I, obviously I'm not saying you're going to just walk in and beat them just because you're a better team. Obviously, as we said, 48th, they're eighth in the conference, but 48th in the country. That's not, they're not a bad team. Um, you know, they're three and seven. So seven of their 10 losses are in conference play because the big 12 is just ridiculous. Uh, and it's just going to get get better and better, especially when you add in BYU, who's not that far behind. Houston would be 
second or third in the conference this year. Um, they're another top 10 team. Cincinnati UCF are not where I thought they'd be, but still a couple more decent opponents. Um, but yeah, Haslametrics, before we get to Oklahoma uh, preview, has you at 10th. You were previously 13th. Offensive efficiency moved up to 28th. So Eric Haslam likes your offense quite a bit better than uh, Ken Pomeroy does. Defense has you up to third where it was eighth. So he's kind of getting in line there. They are aligning, uh, whereas there was a little bit of a discrepancy when he had your defense at eighth. So upcoming games, tomorrow night, Wednesday, the 9th, Oklahoma, 13-10, and 3-7, and 8th in the Big 12. This game will be on ESPNU, so you'll need to have your premium subscription streaming to your, your device, 8 p.m. Oklahoma, 48th in the country, and Ken Palm, 73rd adjusted offense, 34th in defense. They are led in scoring in minutes, all kinds of things, by their 6'10 forward Tanner Groves which is interesting that they have, I mean, I guess when you look at Texas Tech's at statistical leaders and you see Bryson Williams up there and in, in, in scoring, he's up like 16 points per game. Um, it's not really all that different, but he shoots quite a bit better from three. Um, he, he scores 13 points per game on 55% shooting from the floor, uh, better than 36% from three. Um, six rebounds a game, two assists, but as a big man at almost seven feet tall, Michael, he only averages half a block a game. So either Porter Moser is not asking him to be that kind of shot influencer on the defensive end. Um, or I, I don't know what, but at six yeah, ten, you would think he'd be more involved in adjusting shots there, but half a I block agree. a game. I mean, because one thing I noticed, uh, I did watch a little bit of the Oklahoma State game where OU led for most of it. Uh, I mean, I think it was close, but OU led for a lot of the game, and then Oklahoma State just kind of ran away with it towards the final few minutes in Stillwater. Uh, but Oklahoma was able to put up 32 points in the paint against this team. And, you know, I think a lot of it was – was just kind of the size that they have. But then what really shocked me was, man, they were able to put up how many, how many points in the paint. They must've really held Oklahoma state to a lot or to to very little. And no Oklahoma state scored 34 points in the paint. So the paint's going to be kind of a free for all. I mean, based off of what I can tell they don't have, um, like you, like you mentioned, when you have a player like that who plays that much, but he just doesn't quite get as much of an effect on, on shot, uh, you know, blocking a shot. Maybe he's able to alter them. Maybe there's some stuff that we can't see on the stat sheet that he's able to do. But, um, you know, Tanner Groves, I think against Oklahoma state, he had 23 points. I mean, he was out there. He, he worked, he, he worked him over pretty much uh, 10 of 17 from field goals, uh, nine rebounds, uh, only three fouls. So, pretty much stayed out of foul trouble. So, uh, you know, just a really solid game from him. Also two for four from the three. So he can shoot the three as well, but I don't know. I'm, I'm anxious to see if, if Adams is going to be a little bit more intent on attacking this lane a little bit. Maybe there's more of a chance to see tech really 
poured on in the paint and maybe we'll see Bryson Williams get some more touches down low. Cause a lot of what he's gotten is what you mentioned. You know, he's, he'll get an open three or he'll have one of those 15 footers where he gets the ball, you know, kind of in the high post and does something with it there and maybe not, doesn't necessarily finish in the paint, but yeah, I mean, Tanner Groves is definitely someone that will test this defense uh, who almost single-handedly probably got those 32 points they had in the paint in Stillwater. Yeah, and and when you mentioned the just the paint presence, I'm looking at the Oklahoma roster and their minutes per game. Um, one, they have a a fair number of smaller guys. Right. And it's not like, like their, their roster sizes are a little more spread out, I would say, than Texas Tech's, where you get like everybody's between six, eight, or sorry, like six, five and six, nine. Right. Um, Their guards, six, three, and Jordan Goldwire, he's not their leading guard. Uh, Their leading guard is Umaja Gibson. He's six, one, 170. He's a small dude. Mm hmm. Uh, he le- he's their second leading scorer on their team. Uh, plays about thirty minutes, twelve points per game, forty percent from f- from the field, thirty six percent from three. Good for two rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a turnover per game. Um, but then I look at like Jalen Hills, a forward at six six. They have a six two guard, they have a six five guard, a six eight forward, um, and Maween, but he doesn't play very much. Uh, less than five minutes a game, um, a six, three guard, a six, nine forward center and Ethan Chargois. I'm butchering that name. He plays 12 minutes a game, a seven, one center who plays like four minutes a game. Like they're just, they're just not very big. The, the Groves brothers, Jacob and Tanner Groves, uh, Jacob's the younger brother, Junior forward six nine, um, he plays about fifteen minutes. So they just don't really have as much size as as you would expect. Um, so when when you talk about Oklahoma State being able to get so many points in the paint, um, that kind of I think opens up for how this game is going to be played out. Texas Tech is going to continue to really pound the ball into the into the lane, uh, continue to score that way. Um, and guys like, um, Williams, I don't, we were just talking about him. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Bryson Williams, Bryson Williams, um, Terrence Shannon, when he comes back, hopefully, you know, we don't have to rely on him to play a ton of minutes because of, uh, you know, coming back from that knee, I, I will say injury, but, um, tweak the, the, the scary moment there, um, Adonis arms, like just guys that, that just eat, make a, make their living in the paint. Um, and then, you know, I try to contain groves. Like it sounds like he, he can score from all over, uh, you know, shooting, you know, 37% from, from three. He's one of their highest best shooters from three. Um, especially with the number of minutes he plays, like, let's see who takes more like, Ethan Chargois is a higher percentage. He's 37 and a half uh, guard. CJ Noland is at 42%. And then a couple guys that down there let only play a couple minutes per game. Um, 
at 60 and 100%. Jake Moser, son of head coach, is 100% three-point shooter, but he plays, oh, 90 seconds per game. <laughs> yeah, that may not be um, as big of a threat. No, so... And, and, and I, I, again, appreciate just how, how well-rounded the defense is. Like you, you've got, uh, you've seen Marcus Santo Silva guarding team's best three point shooters well beyond the three point line and handling his own. It's not like he's, he's the one that everybody that we call on, like you're going to be the guy they teams will switch to get a mismatch and they'll get Marcus Santo Silva out there on a guard. And he is on them. Like he is yes. glued to them. It's unbelievable. Um, so one would love to see Texas Tech continue to, to shut down the lane because that's just what, what they do. Uh, force some some people to take them, some threes. It looks like just a couple of guys are their three-point shooters. Um, I've heard secondhand that the atmosphere at Lloyd Noble Center it's not very good, especially in this year with Oklahoma not winning as many games as you would expect. Or as the season's progressing, they're not being as good as what you looked at earlier in the season. Um, so whether that whether that hurts or actually helps or hurts you. Um, anyways, another yeah, chance I, to take up a to pick up a Big Twelve road win tomorrow night in Norman. Yeah, it's it's one of those. Uh, they're a team that's kind of down and I was kind of, I was kind of not kind of, I'm always worried about going to Morgantown. And so I just thought there's no way, or if I was already figuring out a way to explain away the fact that, yeah, Bob Huggins isn't going to lose seven big 12 games in a row. It's just not going to happen. Um, OU's kind of in a similar stretch here. I mean, they're on They've a one a and weird, seven. Yeah. They had a weird stretch in their schedule. Yeah, they're on a one and seven skid here. They've lost their last three. So they won four, lost. I mean, they lost four, won one. Then they lost their last three. Um, they've only got one Big 12 road win, and that's at Morgantown, of all things. By 10. Yeah, a pretty convincing one. Um, but their only their two other Big 12 wins are at home versus Kansas State and Iowa State. Uh, two of kind of the bottom tier, not kind of, but two of the bottom tier teams in the Big 12. And yeah, I'll acknowledge Tech loss to both of those, but they they have just not had, like you said, you know, they had a pretty, I wouldn't say it was quite as deceiving as Iowa State's um, because coming into the regular season or into the conference play, you know, they, they beat Arkansas. They beat, then they beat UT Arlington and Alcorn State, and then they beat Kansas State to open up Big 12 play. So you kind of thought, hey, this OU team seems pretty good. But uh, yeah, since then, they've only won two games. And, you know, I, I just, I'm not going to, I don't feel the same way as I did headed up to Morgantown uh, against a down West Virginia team who's going to do everything they can to claw and, and and try to win the game. I just feel like, you know, OU is, this is, this is a winnable game for tech. Um, and who knows, maybe they're kind of look, look down. What, what was it called? Let down like a head sandwich. Cause they're heading mm -hmm. to Kansas on Saturday. Um, so that won't be very fun. And I, I don't know. I mean, they, but they will be at least at home. I, I just think that, 
I haven't seen any spreads or lines or anything, but I would, I would take tech in this one. I think they will have, uh, to cover whatever it is. Um, and that's not a big slight to OU. It's just more of a, I just feel confident that tech will be able to score on this team and it'll be a little bit more of an offensive display than, than what we've seen for a lot of the games this year. Yeah. I, I, I think I heard the opening line was tech minus like three and a half, which I felt was a little low, but I mean, it, you are favored on the road, which is kind of a big deal. Um, yeah, but go back to their schedule. So that they, they won big 12 games. They won new year's day. Uh, at home versus Kansas, Kansas State, lost at Baylor by 10. They did um, come back and host Iowa State, beat them by 7, lost in Austin by 14, lost in Fort Worth by 1, lost at home versus Kansas by 3. That was a close game. Um, hosted Baylor, lost by 14. So they got swept by by the Bears. There they like you said went up to uh, to West Virginia beat them by ten, which is a big deal. Yeah, the Big Twelve SEC challenge they they got a rough draw. They took on Auburn, uh, lost by almost twenty. Um, bounce back. I, I say bounce back. They came back from that on the thirty first. Hosted TCU, lost to TCU, so they got swept by TCU. Um, and then were at Oklahoma State and lost there by almost ten. So. It's just, it's, 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 it's been a strange stretch. Like you said, they, they've lost um, It'd be a frustrating time to be a Sooners basketball fan. They've lost three straight games, two, two conference games and a non-conference. Um, then they had West Virginia before then they had four conference losses. Um, anyways, all that to say, you've got to, you've got a chance again tomorrow to take down a big 12 opponent on the road. Um, it's, it's, it's available. That win is available for you. Yes. If you take care of business and do what you're supposed to do, you have a shot to win this game. Following Oklahoma, you do not come back home. I mean, you will, but your next game is again on the road at TCU. The other team we talked about earlier about not knowing who they are 16 and five, five and four in the big 12. It's in Lubbock. It's in Lubbock. Uh, I I must have flipped the schedule then. Um, anyways, so the game is in Lubbock on Saturday. Um, Ow. On ESPN Plus. Sorry, I was trying to figure out where it was. ESPN Plus, 3 p.m. Uh, TCU, 57th in Ken Palm. So they're about 10 spots further down the list than Oklahoma, but they've got the better schedule. Not the better schedule, the better record. Uh, 111th in offense, but 25th in defense. Um, they are led on their team. Sorry, let me get there. Uh, by guard Mike Miles. Uh, almost 33 minutes per game, 15 points, four rebounds, four assists, more than a steal per game. Does turn the ball over three turnovers per game. Shoots about 37% from the field. Um, not a huge three-point shooting team. I mean, their best three-point shooter is Chuck O'Bannon at 36%. But it looks like their starters, um, 29, 26, 28. There's 36 from O'Bannon. 
zero from Lamkin, their 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 center. Uh, Micah Peavy, fourteen percent. So, um, it would appear that this team, their strength matches up with your defensive strength. That they will try to get to the paint, uh, and they're not a, a like I said a, a volume three point shooting team, or they're just not very good at, at shooting threes. Um, and not that you're bad at defending the three, but you are most focused on taking away the easiest of shots closest to the, the basket. Um, Damian Baugh, 30, 30 minutes, 10 points. Emmanuel Miller, uh, 27 minutes, 10 points per game. Um, he averages almost seven rebounds. Miller does a forward, one assist, one steal, one block. Um, Texas Tech transfer, I know we're all interested to see him play. Micah Peavy and, and Fort Worth there. About 21 minutes per game, six points. Four and a half rebounds, an assist, uh, about half a steal, two turnovers. Yeah, it looks like, I mean, PV's kind of taken on the six-man role, basically, Yep. for the Frogs. Uh, I, I like that this is back in Lubbock. Um, you know, I, I'd feel a little bit leery of playing three away games in a row, but I'm glad that, that Tech's back in Lubbock. I feel better about this. But, man, this, I don't want to say it's a hot TCU team, but... I mean, they, they took down Oklahoma State tonight. Oklahoma State is a team that we just talked about that took down OU. So, um, you know, they won 77-73 that we mentioned. And in that win, they had four guys in double digits. Uh, you know, Bannon had 19, Miller with 16, Baugh with 15, and Lampkin with 10. And then PB chipped in eight coming off the bench on four for seven shooting. So they have some offense when uh, you know, when things are clicking, they're able to do it. And that wasn't on like a, a ton of free throws. I mean, they made 18 to 23, so it wasn't like that, but I think the paint's going to be open here too. And maybe the common denominator here is Oklahoma state. Cause Oklahoma state put up 44 points in the paint tonight. And they also put up, and they put up 34 against OU. So maybe Oklahoma state's just really good in the paint. And that's what I'm, picking up on here that I just can't let go. But uh, this this game scares me a little bit more than I think it should. Uh, they're just, like you said, you know, like when you we first started, you're just kind of, who is this TCU team? And, and we really don't know. I mean, we're, we're still trying to figure it out. They've, you know, they, they played Baylor pretty close. They lost by 12. Um, you know, they went to overtime and beat Oklahoma by one. They have uh, a win against Kansas State, a three-point win that was really close up in Manhattan. Um, their first win against – oh, no, they lost to Oklahoma State the first time by one. Uh, handled Iowa State pretty handily up in Ames, and that was back when Iowa State was still a number 15 darling. Beat them 59-44. to 44. Uh, lost by 23 to Texas the next game. <laughs> I mean, it's just everywhere. They beat LSU, who is sort of a lock for the tournament. They beat LSU in the SEC Challenge 77-68. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's they, they swept OU this year, it, like you mentioned, I think. It, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what who, who's going to show up on Saturday. But uh, this TCU team is kind of 
uh, they're, they're not one to just look past. Well, and, and, and this is something that I, I think we've all kind of looked ahead at, at the remaining schedule, your home schedule. Um, you've got Baylor, which is obviously going to be your hardest home game left, your most difficult home game. But outside of that, you've got TCU on Saturday, um, Oklahoma, Baylor. Who's that last one? Uh, Oklahoma sorry. State. I'm scrolling down. No, you've already played them twice. No, no, that's, no, no. That, uh, that'll be the second time. That's it. You, you, you go to Oklahoma State uh, to end the season. Yeah, Baylor, Texas, Kansas OU, State, Kansas TCU, State, Kansas State. Yeah, Oklahoma State. Yeah, you get them back. Um, so like your, your home schedule is favorable. I, Rob, certainly believes that you do not lose a home game the rest of the way out. I think it's possible. You could go undefeated at home uh, and stretch that that win streak back into last season. Baylor game's going to go a long way. But this TCU team, yeah, they're they're not bad. But like I, I look at the box score tonight, uh, and granted, they were were they at home? Yeah, yeah, they were they were in Fort Worth. TCU was a home team. Um, defensively, they allowed Oklahoma State to shoot nearly fifty percent from the floor tonight. Now, granted, they they beat Oklahoma State, but they their defense allowed fifty percent field goal percentage, thirty five percent from three. They kept Oklahoma State off the line. I don't know if that was because they were being smart on defense. I didn't watch this game, um, or if Oklahoma State was just not being very. Well, I I would say not being not, that they weren't very aggressive, but if they get forty four points in the paint, they were there. Uh, but Oklahoma State only shot ten free throws. Um, they didn't have a massive rebound. Sorry, they, they did have a massive rebound disparity, 37 to 24. Um, they, TCU actually turned the ball over more times than Oklahoma State. Like the box score doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It was a, it was a close game. Um, but winning a game when you give up 50% from the field, when you're the home team, like that doesn't, that doesn't sound like the 25th, 25th best defense. So um, you, you'll get them at home on Saturday. I, 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 like Michael said, I feel a lot better about that game now that I realize I misread the schedule. <laughs> you don't play them in Fort Worth first. <laughs> right. Um, but then uh, next week you get Baylor. So you've got two Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday night games, Oklahoma this week, then TCU and then Baylor next Wednesday night. Um, the next four games, really. Well, I would say next week's games are a whole lot more interesting than this week's, but you can't look forward that that far. Next week, you've got home Wednesday night versus Baylor and then at Texas on Saturday. But this week's first, at Oklahoma, then back home for TCU. All right, guys. Today's episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats. Go check them out online or on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sports drink, spelled like sports drink without the vowels. So at S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let the funk out. 
All right, Michael, I'm actually really excited about this next section. I want to talk about some text deck baseball. Okay. Let's do it, man. Left field, well struck, Desloni. Picks it up on a bounce. He's racing for second throw. Out in second. Young lifts it to right field, looking for a second home run. and some time because all the tools are there. Wow, this one launched deep left off the bat of Warren and into the bleachers. There he goes. And the pitch is driven from deep to right. Kerstad to the wall. Off the top of the fence. Here comes the big foul. Cameron Warren's going to murder home from first. From the third is late. And the Red Raiders have reclaimed the lead. Popped up. So super pumped for baseball season, Michael. It kicks off. First pitch is next weekend, Friday the 18th. No way. <laughs> next weekend. Um, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I already derailed just like, oh my gosh. Did I say that wrong? No, I okay. don't think so. Okay. Next Friday the 18th, uh, 10 days from now at, at Globe Life Field, home of the Texas Rangers in Arlington, You'll be playing in a 16 tournament. You will be facing Michigan, Auburn, and a top 15 Arizona team. Sounds pretty salty. You're going to yeah. be able to make it to any of these games? You know, I, I wish I wish we were going to Dallas that weekend. Uh, probably not going to make, make it. Um, but our good friends over at Gambling Gauchos are hosting a in-person watch party for the basketball game and then heading into... Globe Life Field to watch the Auburn baseball game Saturday. Oh, well, how about that? Uh, go listen to them, figure out all those details. But um, at least in terms of what's been published, you still have some movement on the roster side. You have a, a limit of 40 players for this season. You have 44 listed on the most recent roster. So you've got some some guys to let go. Um the biggest guys I think you're looking forward to coming back, Dylan Carter. I'm, I'm going numerically here on Jersey. Uh, Jace Young. Jace Young, by the way, let's talk about him for a second. Five-time preseason All-American. As in, like, he's picked by five different publications for the 2022 season as a preseason All-American. College Baseball Newspaper, Perfect Game, Baseball America, D1 Baseball, and the Na- National College Baseball Writers Association. He's also picked to repeat as the Big 12 player of the year. So no no expectations here, Jace. We're fine. No, not at all. It's cool. Um, Cody Masters, Kurt Wilson, both back for like their 18th year. Uh, love to see it. Andrew Devine, hopefully he can um, find that, that solid role coming out of the bullpen. Um, Trevor Conley. I'm actually kind of in, intrigued. Uh, he's actually a newcomer. I'm, I'm sitting here listing all the all the, the guys coming back. Um, obviously, that name is going to sound familiar. He's Cal Conley's younger brother. 
I wondered that. We have a we, we have a pretty good uh, track record with playing brothers within our program. Cooper Swanson, um, again, not he's a newcomer to the program, but he will be a fifth year senior uh, infielder, outfielder from transferring in from Florida State. Um, Parker Kelly, Hayde Key, Cole Stillwell, Easton Morrell, um, Chase Hampton, Jamie Hitt, Austin Becker. Scrolling through really quickly. Brandon Gurton, Brandon Beckel, Derek Bridges, Brandon Birdsell, Brady Lejeune, Diacuntis, Diacutis, sorry. I'm just adding in some letters in his name. Um, are all returning uh, this season. I, I think what you're seeing uh, when you look around uh, at some of the preseason recognition or accolades for the program it's a little bit lower than it has been in previous seasons you're not seeing like the the consensus top five or top 10 i think you're seeing a lot of top 15 projections for this program or at least to start the season uh and i think a lot of it has to do with just the amount of new faces um across that you'll see across the diamond across the field any given series um some transfers to keep an eye on uh, Zach Vuletek or Vuletich. I'm, I'm going to butcher these names. because I haven't heard anybody with better insider knowledge. I'm really waiting for that, uh, Dinger Derby Red Raider dugout podcast to come out. Looking for that preview to come out here in the next week or so. Um, Ty Coleman transfer from Texas A&M already talked about Cooper Swanson coming in from Florida state. Uh, Dalton Porter, the outfielder transferring in from Texas. Um, you got Bo Blessies, uh, a right-handed pitcher, uh, transferred from Nebraska through Midland College. Uh, Becker obviously has been here for a few years, but he's coming from Vanderbilt. Um, Shea Hardis, pitcher coming from Grayson College. Obviously, that's where Tim Tadlock coached a long time there. Won the national title there. Um, Colin Clark is a pitcher from Youngstown State. So, you got a lot of new faces, and that's not even all, all of the transfers. Um, and obviously, you have all the, the incoming freshmen. Um, but yeah, lots of lots of new faces, uh, guys that you'll remember that transferred out, namely like Nate Romback. Um, believe I don't want to say where he went because I don't. I'm, I'm going to get it wrong. Um, but he transferred out. Um, and guys that moved on, whether through eligibility or pursuing professional professional dreams, um, Dylan Noisy, um, help me out here. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be <laughs> no help. Uh, again, this is this is because I haven't I haven't done a deep dive in the or even even a review of, of the uh, <laughs> the summer. Just because I guess the way the season ended so disappointingly, um, getting kicked out at the super regional level. But anyways, baseball's back. Texas Tech picked within the Big 12 to finish third. Um, again, reflective of just the uncertainty of, of, of the of the roster here. Um, Texas, my goodness, they are not, not only picked first to win the Big 12, but in a lot of preseason polls are number one in the country. Uh, and then Oklahoma State, always a solid baseball program up there. Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma, Kansas State, West Virginia, and Kansas in that order. So, Texas Tech baseball, 
is coming up next weekend. I can't believe that. I still can't believe it. I'm I'm just been in shock this whole time because you said it's it just seemed like it was so far away that oh yeah, yeah, they play that thing in in Arlington at some point. That'll be in the very distant future. Mm-mm. No, not at all. Not at all. I just sound like an old man over here, but that's just that's that's how it works with with me these days. Yeah. Um and then following that first weekend, uh, like Tim Tadlock does, he's got a just a great schedule lined up. You, you'll come back from that. Uh, you'll play Dallas Baptist as your home opener. Remember, you've played them in, oh, in, hello. <laughs> in super regionals before. Uh, not super re- in regionals, but they've been like the number, the two seed in the regionals that can really push you. Um, they'll be your home opener on February the 22nd. Some day baseball because... Tim Tadlock schedules just whatever the heck he wants. Just fine. Let him do it. Uh, your first home series will be Kent State that weekend, the 25th. Then you'll get the return trip to Dallas for Dallas Baptist. You get one game um, in Lubbock, then one game in Dallas. Then you host the old Civil Warship, Mary Mac. Oh, man, my favorite my favorite name for a school. You've got a Friday doubleheader Saturday and a Sunday four-game series. Then you head out to Biloxi. Um, home, sorry, no, not home. And then you're at Rice, home versus New Mexico, at Iowa, which I think could be interesting. Iowa up in uh, middle of March still could be a little chilly. Oh, sure. Cal Baptist, then you start Big 12 play at home, versus Texas. What a way to start with, you know, the preseason number one team in the country. Yeah. I've got to go to some baseball games this year. Cause I, I went to, I think the only one I went to last year was against army in the, in the, um, I guess Region. that was the regional. Mm-hmm. That was a f- game. One of the regional too. Yeah. That was the only one I went to. And I, I just loved it. It was just, you know, last year was weird. Everything. It was still weird. It still Even is though it was weird. 2021. Yeah. Now we're in 2022 and things are still weird, but um, definitely want to get back to more than just one game and not wait so long that they have to make the, the postseason before I can get out to the ballpark. Yeah. So like I said, if you, if you're new here, you don't know our, our, uh, our, our appreciation, our fandom, our love for the Dinger Derby podcast. Check them out. Keith uh, and Gus and Randy. Um, not only with them doing the podcast, but over there on Red Raider Dugout, the, the website there will keep you up to date on all things Texas Tech baseball. Speaking of Red Raider Dugout, I typed in Texas Tech baseball transfers. And the first thing that popped up was a Red Raider dugout article written by Keith Patrick. And I'll just go through a couple of the guys that, um, that, uh, that you were probably trying to think of Micah Dallas. Yes. He entered the transfer portal. Um, or he may be playing professionally. I don't know. You know, this Keith wrote this in July 2nd. So probably a lot has happened since then that I'm not aware of. Sorry, everybody, but Mike Dallas has left the program. Uh, Max Marsak, he's gone too. Mm -hmm. He went to play for the Raging Cajuns. Nate Romback, like you said, um, 
it doesn't quite say at this time where he was going to go. See, like right now, I feel like he went to TCU. No, no, no. Did he go to Dallas Baptist? Hold on. I believe he he went to Dallas. He may have, and that just was probably not, you know, July second. That wasn't well known yet. But yeah, a lot of other guys that I don't really know that well: uh, Braden Runyon, Chase Webster, Levi Wells, Drew Woodcox. Um, Keith, I, I was like, man, that name sounds familiar. And, and Keith mentioned in here that he belted two home runs, both as part of a nine run fifth inning against South Florida on March 26. So maybe that's why I remember Drew Woodcox's name, um, Matthew Luna, Jamie hit and Jackson Cobb. So those were the 10 at that time that, that Keith wrote about over the summer that are heading elsewhere. Okay, so I'm I'm 98% positive not Nate Romback is with Dallas Baptist. So you'll get him twice. Oh, this year. Okay. Um interesting. There were there were some flashes from Brady running and some a little s- sad, salty not not salty. It's a little strong. <laughs> a little <laughs> yeah. sad that, that he left. Um obviously other guys are chasing some some playing time. Um which is fine. Like, like obviously you want them sure. to be happy with where they're at. Um, Marshak, uh, had like a, um, he had a very specific role with Tadlock and, and, and one of those things that like, he just couldn't seem to figure out, um, was just his time up at the plate. And I think what we've heard from Tadlock, he said, if you can hit, we'll find you somewhere to stand. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a very good hitter, but he was pretty complimentary elsewhere. Like we, we, if you got him on base, he was stealing a base. Um, if he got a hit, he was stretching a single into a double or going first to third because he was just that fast. He was electric on the base path. Um, Micah Dallas yeah. was, was obviously a big presence on the mound. Um, and then, you know, like I said, some of the other guys just searching out for playing time, which is, you know, yeah. Marsec, uh, you know, Keith mentioned in his, in his post that, he started 21 games in 2019, but appeared in 48. So really played a lot in 2019. He led the team in triples with four. And I imagine that if anyone else had been hitting those, they would have been singles or doubles. So that's how you lead the team in triples is that you, you just have, you know, the fastest legs on the team. But last year I didn't realize how, how little he played. I just remembered him, I guess, his production so much from 2019, he only started five games uh, on the last two seasons in 2020 and 2021. He only started five games each of the last two seasons. So he started 21 games in 2019 and just was, I could see him, you know, kind of seeing that drop off and whether it's him or coaching decisions or what, um, and, and trying to, get some playing time elsewhere. Sorry. One of the other guys I, I was thinking of that, um, you're going to be without this year is, uh, Braxton Fulford. Oh, that's right. He really came into it, uh, playing catcher. Mm-hmm. I was sure. really, I was really impressed with him because I think that he had a huge, um, just, I mean, just his ability to throw the second base <laughs> that went, that sure. went through the roof from one year to the next. He obviously worked on that a lot in the off season. Yeah. I, I remember, uh, probably a couple of seasons back and I was like, man, like we're just not very good at, um, at 
catching guys stealing. And then Fulford was like, all right, all right. I'll hold my beer. <laughs> I see you talking about Let me about work that. on this a little bit. <laughs> uh, and then other guys that moved on, Patrick Monteverdi completed his, his eligibility. Ryan Sublette, uh, Cal Conley went professional. Um, Braxton Fulford. So, um, yeah, I, 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 like I said, always excited for baseball. It's my, uh, the sport I grew up playing, um, absolute favorite sport. It's, it's, um, it's definitely one of those things where like you, you almost have to grow up in baseball. I, I, I don't want to say that be like, like to keep people from trying to get out like in as baseball fans, but like, obviously there, there's, it's not the, the two hours of nonstop excitement at a basketball game could be. Um, and football is played like 10 seconds at a time, but there's definitely things for, for, for people to pick on, pick up on, uh, and become baseball fans. But man, Texas tech baseball is, is a good one to follow. So I'm excited, obviously. All right, Michael, let's, um, let's talk a little football since that's what, uh, just talk because there's a, there's a big game this weekend. Um, oh yeah. The big game, the big game, and then wrap up some, I guess signing day. Cause that was this week too. Yeah. So let's get to football. Chuck keeps himself. Made two guys miss touchdown. To now the end zone picked off and it's picked off. Pick six. Jeffers. Slider able to escape. And that picked off. Back to back. Turnovers and water. What are the other? Seconds to go, 62-yard try. Garibay has his foot into wow. it. It may be long enough. It is good. It is good. It is good. Jonathan Garibay has won the game with a 62-yard field goal. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? Wow. All right. So as, as we were talking about players finding – or searching out playing time. Um, I, I was on Twitter just for half a second, or I pulled up Twitter and saw this. Um, the name you, you should remember, Parker Hicks, former player on the basketball team. Um, I believe grandson of, I'm blank on his name. Mr. Hicks? No, Ken Hans. Oh, okay. I believe okay. that's Ken Hans's grandson. Either way. Okay. So he transferred to uh, Lubbock Christian, played basketball for them. There was a tweet that said 18 minutes into the game, uh, LCU had scored 34 points. All 34 points came from Parker Hicks. 
good lord. They they won the game seventy six to sixty eight. Hicks finished the game with fifty points. Oh my gosh! And one foul. <laughs> so it, it was okay when someone usually ends a game with fifty points. Not usually, but a lot of times it's it's a really lopsided contest. But that was what an eight point game. Yeah, the so they pretty much needed all fifty of his points to win the game. The team they played, the initials are T A M I U, so it's obviously Texas A and M International Institute, Institute of University. I don't know. It's it, it's it's their Division two school, Incarnate University. They had a player go off for thirty three points. So wow. Anyways, just solved that. So football. Um, you want to talk about the big game first? You want to talk about signing day? Well, I. I don't, I really don't have a ton to say about signing day. There was something else I've been forgetting to mention. Cause last week when we did our uh, podcast, it was, it was right after reaction. it was an instant reaction and it was really late. So we just, we just did an instant reaction basketball to the Texas game hopped back off. But, uh, you know, Jonathan Garibay, that field goal, that call by Brian Jensen reminded me of this, uh, Gino Garcia, who you might remember from Houston Baptist is actually transferring to come play at tech, which is interesting. I wonder if that's some sort of uh, Kitley connection or, or what, but he's made 32 of 46 field goals in the, in the past three seasons at Houston Baptist, uh, which doesn't sound great, but I think his, and man, the article I clicked, naturally doesn't have this. I think he was pretty much lights out last year. Um, so, you know, I was, I was pretty bummed about Garibay taking off. I'm, I also obviously wish the best for him, but uh, I think Gino Garcia, at least, at least we're kind of taking kicking seriously and not just kind of going, well, we will just stick with the guys we've got. Um, I think he had a, a really good year last year. Garcia did. He was uh, 18 of 26. There we go. In 2019, um, in 2020, he was five for 10. And last year he was nine of 10. So he was 90% on kicking last year. Of course, Houston Baptist was 0 and 11. So that could also speed up the need and want to transfer. Yeah, that's, I welcome Gino somehow forgotten that uh, Mr. Garibay had elected declared elected to go after in the NFL Um, signing day was last Tuesday the the day the same day same day as the Texas game you just mentioned we didn't talk about it much Um, there is a write up over on staking the plains uh, that talks about all of the guys that committed uh, and or signed whether it be uh Scholarship or preferred walk-ons. I will just go through this list really quickly. Cornerback wide receiver Sammy Morris. Yes, that Sammy Morris is his son, uh, who is the assistant director of player per, player support development. Um, was a kickoff returner from Prosper. Uh, linebacker James Grando from Cisco College. Running back Blake Bedwell, uh, originally from Amarillo, transferring in from SMU. Wide receiver Jordan Brown, originally from DeSoto, transferring in from Kansas. Um, wide receiver Hayden Wigginton, originally from Menlothian, coming in from Oklahoma State. So you're getting a lot of uh, local Power Five or 
decent school transfers, um, including SMU in there as decent. <laughs> Offensive line, Dillis Wilburn uh, coming in from Hutchison Community College, originally from Humble. Humble. Yeah, do you, do you pronounce the H in, in de- that one or not? De- depending on how you pronounce the H, yeah. Okay. I believe it's right. Humble, like without the H. Because where Dakota Allen was from. And he, I, I think I remember seeing uh, an interview. So that you can always tell somebody that like, if they don't know what they're talking about and they say the name wrong, which I think he was a, a, um, hinting at people saying humble Texas. Oh, that's totally me. I would H the hell out of humble. humble. I, I would not have thought to go humble. Another okay, Oklahoma state. Yeah. Another Oklahoma state transfer offensive line Monroe mills. Um, Drew Hoka. That name should sound familiar. Son of, athletic director director Kirby Hocutt coming in from San Angelo University but originally from Friendship so wide receiver go um, Tigers go Tigers uh if you need like yes he played at San Angelo and he played locally but if you look at his highlight tape man he he finds a way to get open and catches everything had a huge year uh, had 60, got 59 passes for 950 yards and nine touchdowns his senior year at Friendship. Um, also, note he was catching passes from Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith. There it is. Quarterback slash athlete Jacob Rodriguez coming in, transferring in from Virginia, originally from Wichita Falls. Um, even though he's listed as a quarterback athlete, I think he's going to be playing as a linebacker because. Uh, there was a tweet that Seth found of the linebackers going out to dinner, and he was a part of that group, uh, although he played quarterback, which is not too dissimilar from the quarterback that played for Roosevelt this year was their starting quarterback and middle linebacker. Granted, Roosevelt's a 3A school <laughs> out here in <laughs> <Yeah>. Texas. <laughs> um, but still, dude, like they ran – old school triple option football, but like was a nasty middle linebacker. He popped some dudes. He was just, well, he, he saw contact every play. (laughs) Yeah. Whether it was offense or what he saw some sort of contact probably. Wow. Uh, other transfers coming in, Michael Shanahan, uh, from Tennessee Martin, and then offensive line, Cade Briggs coming in from New Mexico. Um, there was a delay in the signing of Eric Gray, the offensive line from from Amarillo. The other guy that I'm really excited about was the wide receiver from Stephenville. Sorry, I like bit my lip as I was trying to say that. Coy Eakin. Um, if you're not familiar with Coy Eakin, dude had himself a, a state title game. Like he he played defensive back and receiver, had like 200 receiving yards and like five touchdowns. Um, also forced a fumble. Uh, there was an interception thrown. Then he forced a fumble. The fumble ended up into another wide receiver's hands who then scored on that play, which is ridiculous. And he also had a couple interceptions himself. Um, and then some other guys that are probably walk-ons, Drew DeArmon, Brooke Honore, Tanner Allen, Jaden Morris, Jace Lowe, and Jurian Lofton. So welcome to Texas Tech. Get your guns up. Get your guns up. Get your guns up. All right. Big game this weekend, Michael. Question for you. Before we get to who you have, 
what's on your menu this week? Okay. My wife and I are still trying to figure this out because I, I love that she gets into the Super Bowl solely because I, I'm kind of getting into the Super Bowl and she loves snacks and she's an awesome cook. And so it's just, it's just all, it's a fun thing. We are doing, she asked me just this morning, just kind of thinking out loud of what to do. And the first thing I could think of was pepperoni pizza dip. Explain. Well, it's basically the best parts of a pepperoni pizza baked in a dish. Uh, I think it's a base of, of cream cheese and, you know, some Italian herbs and, I th- and then um, layered with shredded like mozzarella and cheddar combo and then pepperoni on top. Okay. And then you bake that and then you dip into it with, um, oh gosh, I just lost, what is it called? Brochette? It's bread. It's toast. <laughs> Toasted? <laughs> Those little, you know, Tostinis. you a little baguette and you, and you toast, crustini. you toast those. Yeah. Crostini. So basically, so I, that's usually what we use. I think you could probably just dip it with whatever you want and garlic bread even. Yeah. It's awesome because it's Crisped basically garlic bread. It's basically just a little bite sized pizza with every bite that that's one of the big ones we're doing. And then I think we're having pigs in a blanket. Solid. Love it. Possibly some, some form of, of meatball that can be thrown in the crock pot. So it's just going to be a high protein <laughs> extravaganza, just snacks. What, what well, do y'all got rolling? So we're doing the, um, the family dinner style. So we're all bringing a dish. Um, my brother-in-law and his wife that recently had twins. Congrats to them. New, Yay. they're not new parents. They they had they had they have a four-year-old, but going from one to three, big adjustment. Yeah. Props no, they're, to them. They're, new, they're new parents all over again. That's crazy. Um, they're bringing shrimp for like uh, shrimp cocktails. Something that Samantha's family is all about. They they love them some shrimp. So there's gonna be that. Um, we'll ha- have the obligatory like charcuterie board, just like ham and they're not ham, meat and cheese and crackers. Oh yeah. Um, vegetable tray with the ranch and the sweet dip. Um, what do they call that? I think Samantha's family calls it grackle, not grackle this- something. It, it's, it's basically the caramel dip for apples. Um, we, oh, and they also do, um, little smokies and barbecue sauce. Oh yeah. That's man. That's a good one. If we had, if we didn't have the meatballs, I probably would or, or the <laughs> pigs in a blanket. It's kind of combination. I, yeah, I like the favorite blanket, too. Though. Yeah. We're we Rogers are going to be bringing, of course, queso smoked queso. We're going to do the smoked queso in the, on the Dutch oven on the smoker, uh, My man, the Velveeta Gouda Rotel breakfast sausage. Love it. If you're looking for that recipe, Meat Church, they're, they're based in Weatherford. No, Waxahachie. One of these Texas towns with a W in it. Um, they have a fantastic barbecue YouTube channel. They, they teach classes, but they've got excellent recipes. But they have a smoked queso. I've talked about it before. It is fantastic. I'm doing that again. Man, you're everyone's favorite person if you're bringing queso to the Super Bowl party. 
Yeah, and I have to lock it down because like other people, like my brother-in-law that lives in Abernathy will also make a good queso. Uh, he's mm. not, like, I'm not like fighting him for it. I'm just like, we're going we're gonna to bring it this time. Um, he makes a good queso. But like we've all kind of found our our role, our niche. Like this is what we're, we're good at and this is what we do. So it's not like somebody's going to bring something crazy or new. Like you're throwing this off, man. Because with... It's kind of funny when, when I first met Samantha and we were first dating and like that, I remember the first couple of years they did not have the, they, they wouldn't watch the game. I'd be like sneaking off to another bedroom in the house to watch the game. Um, it didn't mean anything to them now. And it, I don't think it has much to do with me as much to do as like the, other, like everybody else has kind of like slowly bought on bought into now it's a now it's a thing like we we do this every year they'll have there's like a a watch party and we get together we bring all these game food snacks and we watch the game we watch the commercials watch the halftime show Mm -hmm. it's an ordeal yeah i'm here for it though i'm excited uh the game um i think it would be cool if joey burrow won i'd also think it'd be really cool if the rams and stafford won because that that's that storyline about Stafford being stuck in the purgatory of the Lions would actually be kind of funny. <laughs> and then, well, and then you know, obviously, what he was able to do with um, Chad Johnson up there, just how great he was. Chad, Wait, no, 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 Ocho Cinco, Calvin Johnson, Calvin Johnson, gosh, Megatron, Megatron. See, like he was always called it Megatron. I was, I was like, what's his name? Um, shows how much I pay attention to the NFL outside of Dallas. Um, but yeah, like if he's able to come and then win the Super Bowl, like I actually, you know, Stafford may have been a pretty good quarterback. He's just stuck with just a terrible franchise around him. Now, this was one of the, not one of the, this was once my beloved chiefs were out, this was the ideal matchup. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, because I guess, I mean, I guess I would, definitely be rooting for the Bengals if they're playing the Niners. Cause I don't like the Niners at all. Don't care. Um, but yeah, there, there's so many positive storylines for the Rams and for the Bengals. You just kind of, you know, you just kind of hope both teams have a good time. That kind of thing. That's kind of <laughs> the vibe I've got right now where I'm just really looking forward to watching the last football game of the year. I just hope it's a good game. I hope it's not a blowout. Um, and I'm just going to relish in all the storylines and all the dumb commercials that I've seen five second trailers for, for the last 21 days. Isn't that crazy? That you're reading trailers for Super Bowl commercials. Yeah. I already know that there's going to be some Michelob Ultra commercial with, uh, Peyton Manning bowling and, or, or something. And there's going to be some <laughs> weird commercial with Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd and they're in a car and they look silly. And then who else? Um, that guy that was uh, Nucky in Boardwalk Empire, I am completely blanking on his name. I don't even know that. So uh, he's he's in a Michelob Ultra commercial. I mean, it's just you scroll through your phone and it's you just know what it is without having to know what it is, and it's just annoying because it the the commercials have gone downhill over the last few years anyway, and so we don't need we don't need them spoiled people. Let's just. Let's just let's just enjoy them. Yeah, let's enjoy sure. them when they pop up. So, looking forward to the game. I, we could have been hit nonstop with uh, 
Tom Brady and like, is he going to retire? Like, is he going to go out on top after winning the Super Bowl? It, it could have been a weird matchup, like the Buccaneers and 49ers. Ugh. Well, no, that wouldn't have. That that's two NFC teams. Sorry, uh, let's see. That's what I, that's what that's what I know. Buccaneers, Buccaneers, Buccaneers. Yes, Buccaneers Bills. Yeah. Okay. Which that would have been. Well, no. You say that's weird. I would have loved that. No. I would have loved that Super Bowl. I would have watched that too because Tom Brady. I have just accepted that he is a force and is really good at football. I accepted it just at the right time. You know, the last year of his playing career. <laughs> good job, Michael way to way to finally give in that. Um, he will not be denied the W's that he's just going to go out and get for the most part. So, um, I would have really enjoyed that kind of at the same, not the same as this one, but man, you got Brady versus Allen and could have been Packers bills. Packers bills would have been great. Yeah, I think there were a lot of a lot of them that I could have talked myself into and just and just enjoyed for what they were. Uh, but yeah, it, I hate to say this, it's almost nice that the Chiefs are out of it because I do. No, I uh, don't really care for that. Yeah, I don't, I'm not I kind I'm not, of embarrassingly get a little bit too amped about about my Chiefs <laughs> at times, and so um, with them not in it, I don't have I won't have that anxiety or that you know kind of my heart beating faster than it should be. I'll just hopefully be enjoying a, a fun football game. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not as, I'm not as uh, worried about the outcome of this game as ah. much as it's like, I'm just going to enjoy it. You bet. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's wrap this up with what we learned um, and then get you ready for the Oklahoma game. So what do we learn Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right. So one thing, I don't know if it's just because it's been a fairly mild winter this past week, notwithstanding when we had, you know, five degree mornings. <laughs> one. Uh, I asked Alexa one day what the temperature was, and she said one. Yeah. And, and I, I, that was, I believe you tweeted out, like, isn't that the most ridiculous temperature? And I, yeah, it is. It, it has to be. It's aside one from degree. Like, aside from like 119 or something, one, it has to be that one. Yeah. I've been looking forward to spring slash summer this year more than I have been previously. And, and I get that like I, I will here in a couple of weeks, I will be complaining about spring, like the weather, cause it, it usually be getting a little more breezy here and past couple of years, man, the breeze, the breeze here in the spring drives Ooh. me up a wall. Can't Ooh. stand it. But breeze is yes, it's, it's a gentle breeze. I, I I've been looking forward to getting out of winter. Uh, and like I said, maybe it was just the mild winter we've had knock on wood. Uh, I've been doing a lot of grilling lately. Uh, hamburgers and hot dogs. I did hamburgers and hot dogs on the grill tonight for dinner. They were fantastic. Mm. I did some last week. Uh, we've done some grilled chicken. We smoked some pork ribs the other night. I'm just ready to get out. Now, weird things about grilling. Uh, I'm sure if you've been to the grocery store, you realized you can't buy sliced hamburger sliced pickles i do not understand like the weird holes that we are experiencing in the supply chain like last year or two years ago it was toilet paper i can understand that sliced dill pickles macaroni and cheese i will not understand why these are now the holes that we have on the grocery store shelves 
anyways, so what, what I ended up doing, cause I, I've, it's been a couple of weeks where I, I will look, we order our, our stuff online. I will look and there was always out of, out of stock, out of stock. I just broke down and got the big jug, like the gallon jug of it, of the dill pickles. And I broke out the mandolin and I sliced some freaking pickles tonight. <laughs> I was like, I'm having them on my, on my burger. Uh, and they were fantastic by the way. I'll slice my own pickles. Thank you. Very I did. Much. Now, of course they were, they were uh, flat slices. They weren't ridged like you would get from, you know, had they done it for me, but it's fine. Um, there's that. Okay. And then also just trying to get us into spring because not only Texas tech baseball, but little league baseball is upon us. Get ready for some Grayson baseball updates. Cause I know everybody loves to hear it. My son is on the Braves this year. Um, net world world champion Braves. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> update since the last time I, I talked about it. I have completely wiped my hands clean of coaching this year. Not doing it. Uh, I'm not an official coach. Let's put it that way. The, they had tryouts this past weekend. Not that they were trying out for a team, but they were demonstrating their skills uh, for the coaches to then have a good idea of the players and team they're building when they drafted. Um, tryouts were this weekend. Draft was on Sunday. Got a text from the coach uh, yesterday, I believe. like, hey, I'm the coach. We're the Braves. Send me your your sizes on your uniform, your your number options. One thing... Grayson has been 95 the first three years because of Lightning McQueen. This year, he's like, uh, Lightning McQueen's not my favorite. 95 is not a cool number. I was like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> he picked 14. And I'm not sure where he got it from. But he's like, I think it's a really cool number. Okay. And it's the year he was born in. So he's like, really sold on 14. I was like, okay. So I did my, my customary thing. I went to the mall today. Got my new Atlanta Braves hat. Got the 14 embroidered on the side. So mm-hmm. I'm ready to roll. I did I did text the coach and be like, hey man, look, I, I've I've coached. I've been the head coach for three years now. I didn't do it this year because I just couldn't commit to it. Happy to help out. Got the roster. They have three coaches listed. So like they will need at least a fourth parent in there somewhere. Um maybe I help out. Maybe maybe I'm just a guy on the on the the bleachers over here keeping score like the books or whatever. I'm, I'm definitely going to keep scoring the app again. Cause that was awesome. Um, I am anxious cause I have no idea what this team's going to look like, but also like just need to remind myself. This is what I chose. I chose not to be involved. Um, I have already texted the head coach far too many times. And I've, I've, I've realized this like, I stopped texting. him. It's like, stop dude. Just, just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've got, you, you do have to, you've, you've put it out there. I've got to let it if go. He, if he, if he wants your help or he, you'll, you'll be good. So, you'll be there. He'll know who you are. He can, he can find you. Uh, did find out they're not going to have a meet the coach, uh, night, which they, they have done in the past. They said there's, there's COVID concerns like whatever. I don't, that doesn't make sense. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't. Um, so we're just, he said, we're going to get a team meeting together and then we'll start practices as soon. I was like, let's go, man. Let's go. Let's get on that field. Let's go practice. Um, but yeah, so we'll have that to look forward to this spring. Well, that's good. And I can't believe that's almost here too. And I have something to look forward to. You got Lubbock. really excited about this today. Lubbock is, is about to get... Is everyone sitting down? 
Lubbock is about to get an Allsup's inside the city limits. Uh, there was an article or, or a post on Lone Star 995FM.com here in town. Kelsey Pittman tracked down Ryan Sanders, who has been posting from his Facebook account. He's a contractor here in town for Build Right Construction. And he's been sharing a few updates, and I think she caught up with him and asked him some more questions. But um, here is the update from him saying that Texas Tech and Lubbock Allsup's is officially hitting the limit corner of Broadway and University. This is going to be a game changer. Walk-up bar, full kitchen, and dining area. Allsup's is here. The best news is that this is just the beginning. We aren't stopping at one. Um, for those of you who've been around Lubbock for a while, the arrogant Texan came and went. It, I, I liked it. It was fine. It was, it was a good place to go. I, it was kind of just, it was, it was cool because it had ice cream on one side and it had barbecue on the other and kind of some novelty stuff to mm-hmm. shop and just kind of had a cool vibe, but apparently didn't last. Anyway, this is where the Allsup's will be. And, uh, she mentioned something in her post that they will serve alcoholic drinks including Crown and Coke slushies and more. So she must've gotten that from him specifically. Yes. Uh, So I am, I'm definitely going to be following this. I'm, I'm excited, but also skeptical because I'm like, how is, (laughs) how is like a Gen Z also going to work or or what is, what is this? How are are they going to have a dine-in section? But I guess if it's not a gas station, are you going to, are you going to serve the burritos out of the, out of the rollers? Are there trays? Are there trays? Are there plates? Um, will, will it be fast casual? Will it be just like straight up fast food? Well, that, like that arrogant Texas or something that, yeah, or, that location is not very big. It's not like they're going to be putting in a lot of tables. There's gonna be like four, <sighs> four tops. <laughs> well, and probably, you know, they've really got to use a lot of that space for the gas pumps. Right. You got to find somewhere to do it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, how else am I going to fuel up when I pull into Allsup's? I need to get, I need to get some gas. I need to get a three-day-old egg roll, and then I need a fresh beef and bean burrito. Yeah. Uh, have, will they have breakfast? What, what will a full kitchen? What does a full Allsup's kitchen mean, Spencer? I don't know. Well, we've got, we've got this kind of fried burrito, and then we've got this kind of fried burrito which one do you like? Or is there going to be like a fried burrito salad and maybe chop up a burrito and put it on a salad? (laughs) Maybe that means they're going to actually fry the burritos on location, make and fry the burrito instead of rolling them in frozen. I don't know, man. Um, I did, I did hear that the, there is another all subs location. You, you, you mentioned that this is going to be the only one insider knowledge has one, uh, telling us there'd be one in Wolferth. Yes, that's right. There is another one being built in Wolferth. And for those of you in Lubbock who didn't know, I don't know the address of it, but there's at least one or two Yesway stores in town. Yesway convenience stores, which I believe that's who bought Allsup's a year or two ago. The franchise was sold, was sold off. And this could be part of the reason why this, no, not could be. I'm sure this is part of the reason why this is happening at all because the new owners may be trying some new things just to give it a shot. 
But anyway, if you go to a Yes Way, there's a couple of them, or, or at least one in town that sells Allsup's burritos. But um, I think if you just Google it or search on Facebook, you can find which which one they are. If you're Jones and, and you can't wait till this one's open or you can't run out to Idaloo for lunch. Yeah, there are three Yes Ways in town currently. Uh, one on 84 and The Loop, basically. There's one on... Um, it's fifth. It's sorry, not fiftieth. It's east of twenty seven. Maybe that's fiftieth, and then one on the Marsha Sharp going out towards Wolferth. But I did hear that there's one already in uh, Ropes. Ah, Lubbock Yesway, Allsup's burrito. <laughs> All right. Well, Michael's doing that. Uh, we'll just need to remind you guys: basketball game tomorrow night against the Oklahoma Sooners. Saturday at home versus TCU. And then, of course, you've got the Super Bowl this weekend. Um, super pumped for baseball coming back next weekend. We'll have a better, fuller preview for that. But that'll do it for us this week. For Michael, I'm Spencer. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast and sharing our fandom for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. You can connect with us on Twitter at 23Personnel, Spencer at PuntSuck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. And find even more great content over on stakingtheplanes.com. Help us out by rating the show and leaving a review on iTunes and subscribe on whatever channel you listen to podcasts. Remember to tell your friends about the show. The guys will be back next week with another episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.